Blog Talk Radio. tackle some pretty tough topics, and uh, one of those topics today, um, I'm going to call it, well, I'm, you know, I, I have to tell you, I have had nothing but glitches. I, 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 I actually got everything up and running about 90 seconds ago, so it looks like the music bed is just, you know, keeping keeping up with my day here, folks, um, but uh, hopefully everything's settled down now. Hopefully we're, we've got all the technologies worked out. We're the show that tackles some pretty tough stuff, and uh, today we're tackling rape kits. And I think anybody who listens to Law & Order or even remotely picks up a newspaper knows that there's a huge, huge problem with um, uh, rape kits and the backlog of rape kits and rape kits sitting on shelves while rapists go free and rape other people. And um, it, it's a huge issue. There are, however, some states that are making marvelous um, um, progress in that. And so what we're going to do is we're going to talk with our guest today. And our guest, well, you know what, Erica, I'm going to let you introduce yourself since I am so <laughs> <Okay>. befuddled today. <laughs> Why don't you just tell us a little bit about your background and, and uh, how you came, be, came to be interested in rape kits. Yeah, my name is Erica, and I am stationed here in Seattle, Washington. And I've been working on getting rape kits tested and reformed, the system reformed for dealing with rape kits here in Washington State since about 2013. Um, So I've been an activist out in the community and also in the Washington State Legislature. Okay, and so we are in uh, Washington State, and Erica, mm-hmm. how do you say your last name? Teshki? Teshki, yeah, that's correct. Teshki. Oh, I got it mm-hmm. right. Hallelujah. No, I know. You may be um, the first. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I, you work in broadcasting for a while. Pretty soon you, you just pray that everyone will name, a, name their child Bill or Judy, and their last names right. are always Joe, Joe or Smith, you know, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's just too much to try and yeah. deal with all these other names. Um, but what uh, what got you interested in rape kits and the, the issue with rape kits? Well, quite a few years ago, I had read an article um, in, I believe it was the New York Times, about rape kits in New York City and how they had been through the process at that point in time of discovering that they had 17,000 untested kits on their shelf. And they uh, went through and tested... Yes, 17,000. Quite a few, and they, I believe, so far, that's been the the largest amount of any single city. Um, And they went ahead and tested all their kits, and it brought the arrest rate for crime in that city from 40 to 70%. And 40% is already a high arrest rate for rape in any city, but for it to bring it up that high to 70% was quite telling. And I remember reading that, and my first thought, which is funny now that I've been doing advocacy work in my own community, is the the question I get from most people is, I thought all rape kits went to the lab. Um, I thought, you know, as many folks do, that that piece of evidence is so super important, and it is the best uh, connection to solving that crime. Um, And I just figured they went to the lab. I was astounded that they didn't, and, you know, to the tune of 17,000 in New York City was quite astounding to me. Um, 
And, you know, I had read that article, and I and I sort of set it aside and thought about it for a while. And then about a year or two later, had read some more articles. And by then, more and more was happening across the, the nation, and they were finding more and more kits in, in numerous cities, um, Detroit and Cleveland now being quite legendary. They had, um, you know, I can't remember the exact numbers, but somewhere around 12,000, 11,000 in Memphis. Um, and, again, I was astounded. And I thought, you know, I'll just – check out and see what's happening in Washington State. And that's how it all got started. Uh, when I looked at Washington State and I went out to the Joyful Heart Foundations and the Backlog.org site, um, where they had just recently done a strong push to start trying to end the backlog across the country and identify the reasons why the backlog existed, I went out there and I looked at Washington State and nothing had been done yet here. No counts had been done or um, any sort of concerted effort had been put forth. So I thought I'd make a few phone calls. This? this is 2013. What, what year was this, 2013. Just two years ago? Yeah. yeah the oh, end my gosh. Of... Erica, are you there? Oh, my gosh. I'm Erica, are you there? There we go. Erica, we lost I'm... you for a second. Okay, am I back now? You are back now. Okay, there we go. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So Um, when I um, when I say that, so this is 2013. Yeah, the end of 2013. And how bad was Washington State's backlog? This is pretty typical uh, across the nation. Um, Okay, Erica, where are you on a cell phone? Nope, I'm not on a cell phone. I'll be darned because we keep losing you. Um, okay, okay, so how bad was this backlog? Um, so in Washington State, uh, as it is across the nation, there nobody really knew, um, and, and that's that's typical. You just um, part of the problem is lots of the law enforcement jurisdictions don't know. They have several. Uh, take Seattle Police, for example. Over our statute of limitations here for rape is ten years. And over those 10 years, we've had four different databases used to track evidence. And one of those crashed, and they only have paper documents. Two of them, nobody really knows how to do a search on. (laughs) So as you can see, just just figuring out how many kids are sitting on the shelf can sometimes be a monumental task in and of itself. So at that time, Washington State had no idea. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And why I, I I'm like you. Before I realized mm-hmm. that this was an issue, I thought, well, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's a crime that takes place. The mm-hmm. crime scene investigators come out, just like we've seen on TV, and they collect everything mm-hmm. in little paper bags, and they do everything, mm-hmm. and then they send it to these wonderful lab people, and then they have all the mm-hmm. information they need to. Well, mm-hmm. why would they decide not to send something to a lab? That makes no sense to me. Right. So especially for rape kits, you know, I can speak specifically for those. And and there's really five, there's lots of reasons, but there's really five main reasons a rape kit doesn't get sent to the lab. Um, one is there's no, in many places, this has changed in a few states, but and, and it's, you know, becoming more prevalent, but most places don't have laws in place that require that that evidence be sent to the crime lab. So there's no one anywhere saying you have to send that that rape kit to the crime lab. So um, lots of ha- lots of times, what happens is a judgment call falls to the police or prosecutors on a case. 
And so they'll look at a allegation of rape and they will s- sort of make judgment calls as to whether they think that case is going to be prosecutable or not. Um, they have to decide whether they think the witness is ske- sketchy, if there's been drinking involved. A lot of it comes down to whether or not they believe the victim. And as we know, with lots of se- sexual assault crimes, that victims have, you know, have been traumatized and you can't really go with you you can't look at a victim and take everything that they say immediately because trauma has a very serious effect on a person's memory and um, the events that they've been through so um, another reason they don't send kits to the lab is because the the assailant is known to the victim so they figure, you know, they're going to send this kid off and they know it's going to be Joe's DNA that they find. So the police think, you know, why do we need to send this kid off to the lab? Um, also, rape kits are expensive to test. They are one of the most expensive pieces of evidence to test because frequently they have not just one piece of DNA evidence to test, but several pieces of DNA evidence to test. So one kit can cost 800 to $1,500 to test. That's quite expensive. Um, In Washington State, as in most places around the country, our crime lab here is woefully underfunded. So as you said earlier, you know, we all see law and order and we're like, send it off to the lab. Um, But what happens is we don't have enough scientists to test it. The DNA process of testing is a long one. Um, We have backlogs at the, the crime lab here. So it takes about, even if your kit goes to the lab, it can take three to six months to get that kit back just because they're so bogged down at the crime labs. And then the last reason it doesn't go is if a survivor doesn't want to pursue their case. That would be another reason why a kit goes up on the shelf. Well, and in that case, it would be legitimate mm -hmm. for them to not send it in, right? Yes. So um, that that is a little bit of a complicated answer. Yes, it is. And as soon as all... I said the question, I thought that, well, maybe, maybe not. Because <laughs> right, yeah. rarely so, do uh, one single uh, uh, offense, right? Yeah, so so typically, like, a, the reason a survivor may not want to pursue their case is because they're either intimidated by the attacker, they know the attacker, it may be a neighbor or a family member or a boyfriend or who knows. But then also, um, sometimes, and, and this has been been proven in the past as as we've been going through this process is that the police haven't been very friendly to victims. And so yeah. the victim has already experienced this sort of um, feeling that their story isn't believed and they're feeling like they're not going to get any satisfaction from the police. So they they think, you know, why would I pursue this further? So that's that's really one of the outstanding reasons why a, a victim may not want to pursue their case. Okay. You know, I've been so, in keeping with how uh, disorganized I am today, I forgot to give out our phone number. If you'd like to join this conversation, maybe you've had experience with rape kits, maybe you uh, um, know a friend or have have some personal experience with the whole situation with rape kits and, and uh, in any state, um, please give us a phone call. Join in our conversation. It is 646-378-0430. Six four six three seven eight zero four three zero. 
And on our webpage, you can click on chat. If you don't want to talk personally, I have a chat room open, and you can uh, post a question or a comment there, and I'll share it for you on the air. So again, 646-378-0430. Okay, so um, it's probably not necessarily the greatest idea to just have a victim say, well, I don't want to pursue it, and so they put everything on a shelf and and keep it. Um, Mm -hmm. Who owns? Who owns? evidence that's collected at a crime scene? You know, that's a good question. I don't know that answer specifically, but it, but if I were to make a guess, I would say it's in the custody of the police department. That took okay. the, so, the... So it would seem reasonable that the police do what they want with that, mm-hmm. with what they yes. think is best. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, all right. Um, I, it would be an interest. It's an interesting question, though, isn't it? I, I would yeah. be interested to know exactly who, because after, well, I don't know. I was going to say after crime is is resolved, and and then don't they give stuff back to the owners? But no, some of that yeah. stuff stays in, on yeah, shelves forever. Yeah, there's a whole forever. chain of custody you know, that that is involved when you're talking about evidence. And um, chain of custody is very important to keep that within the official boundaries. And I know much of the rape kits do, at least in Washington State, other states sometimes you'll find that the hospitals will be in possession of those rape kits. Um, oh, really? And, yeah, um, but in Washington State usually they Go, or the crime lab will be in possession of the rape kits. They may have a storage facility at their place. But in Washington State, most of the stuff goes back to the police department that it originated from, and then it goes into an evidence um, storage location, and it's kept there. Okay. Okay. And, you know, Forever. it's interesting you bring that, bring that up because here in Washington we just recently um, passed some rape kit-related reform bills, yay. Um, and one of those bills, um, House Bill 1069, directly uh, deals with the preservation of DNA evidence, most, many of that being rape kits. And we didn't really have any laws on the book prior to this one, which just got passed, where we had to keep rape kits um, they could be discarded or destroyed, um, but now they have to be kept until the end of the accused person's sentence. sentence. Um, and then once that sentence has been, um, um, you know, worked out, uh, then they can be destroyed at that point in time. But until then, you know, evidence, most DNA, uh, most rape kits just went off to the evidence locker. But And then they can destroy it, but they don't destroy the report, right? Because, I mean, I'm thinking of, you know, appeals and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, those so, things. right. So we we didn't have anything. And so it was usually just under the, you know, discretion of the police department. And, you know, storage is a big issue when you're talking about evidence for all crimes committed. And, you know, well, yeah, because you can't, usually, just, you can't right. just pop it anywhere. I mean, it has to be somewhere where it mm-hmm. won't degrade, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so... Um, so luckily, we have just passed a bill that you know puts it into law that we have to keep those um, all that evidence, all DNA evidence, until the sentence has been carried out. So, wow. Okay. All yeah, right. feeling good okay. about that. <laughs> good. That's very good. And so, um, if the person isn't prosecuted for years, that evidence sticks around for years, right? Yep, that's correct. If their case is still active, yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. There is the issue, of course, with degradation, even under the best of circumstances, but that's a whole mm-hmm. different show, I think. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. 
So what kind of a backlog does Washington State have now? Well, so in preparation for us um, working on these bills in this legislative session, the Washington Association of Sheriffs and Police Chiefs were asked to go out and do an informal survey of all law enforcement agencies in the state to do a count of how many kits they had. So I think it's important to to define um, backlog and shelved kits. So lots of times when you say backlog kits, which is the vernacular that's been used uh, across the nation, but really back, backlog kits are kits here in Washington State. We describe them as kits that are in line to actually be tested at the crime lab. But shelved kits are kits that were never intended to go to the crime lab, and that's really what we're talking about here, like how many kits were never sent to the crime lab and put on the shelf. So I will call those shelved kits for now. Um, The Washington Association of Sheriffs and Police Chiefs went out and did this informal survey, and they they think we – they're not for sure, and it's not an exact number, but they think we have at least 6,000 kits in the state. So that's statewide. Okay, which mm-hmm. is significant, but quite frankly, not as many as I thought. Right, right. So it is. A, it's not as many as you think when you hear New York had seventeen thousand, and yes, you know Memphis yes. had eleven thousand, Detroit had twelve thousand or thereabouts. Um, it's not that much. It's not a huge amount. But you know, as we are finding out, you know, you can get a lot of evidence and a lot of really bad people off the the street with just um with 6000 kits um you know like just looking at results that they've had in some other other cities um you know Detroit tested they've been testing kits all along but they tested 2000 kits um and they got 760 DNA matches and they identified 188 serial rapists so think of how wow. many yeah with 6,000 kits here in, in Washington State, there's quite a few um, criminals you can get off the street. Like in Cleveland, um, they tested 2,700 kits, and they had 90 criminal indictments from that, and a third of those cases involved serial rapists. So compared to other cities, 6,000 isn't a lot statewide, but when you look at the numbers of, of DNA matches and convictions and serial rapists you can find in 6,000 kits, you realize that, you know, it's a, a great place to start, to start getting rapists off the street. Well, exactly. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, 6,000 is still a whopping amount. Um, mm-hmm. It's just that, yeah. you know, the number, the, the sound of the number. And if you were one of those <laughs> rape victims that is looking for justice and, and you know, you're... Mm-hmm. you're afraid for right. the rest of your life to walk out mm-hmm. your door because for fear that guy's going to be there again, you know, 6,000 mm-hmm. is a heck of a lot. One of the right. I mean, two, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say whether you have 6,000 or one, the necessity of testing those kits is, is very important to the victim. Yeah. Well, mm. you said that it's up to um, the police officer uh, or the police people who uh, make the arrest. What if they just don't think it's? Uh, what if they think it's a, just a he said, she said, blah blah blah, and they don't take it seriously? Do police departments mm-hmm. recognize that it might be something that should not be? Um, I mean, is it a prosecutor's decision? Is it the police officer's decision? Who makes the decision to follow up on the rape kits? 
I think it depends on the police department. So every police department has different procedures, um, and sometimes the prosecutors do get involved. Um, You know, I'm, I'm not specifically sure of how that process goes, so I can't really speak to exactly who knows what when and who makes choices okay. along the way. Yeah. All right. Um, just some of these success stories. Um, you mm-hmm. know, this article that I have from Feminist Newswire dated February 27th of this year, um, mm-hmm. they said Houston um, cleared their backlog of 6,000 untested rape kits, and mm-hmm. some of them were more than 30 years old, but apparently they were yeah. still able to get good data from it. And it said evidence from those test kits has led to 850 DNA matches, 29 mm-hmm. filed cases, and six convictions. And mm-hmm. police are continuing to review evidence from the kits to see if charges can be made in other cases. Because that's the other thing. I mean, once they have that DNA, then they have a murderer. Mm-hmm. They can match that DNA to a murderer, you know. Um, yeah, there's a very interesting – here in Washington State, we had two prosecutors come and testify in front of our legislators um, as to what they have found in Cleveland. And um, this is just an example of what they've been finding in other cities. And Detroit is another place who's been at this testing for quite a long time and have also been making these connections, is that rapists don't just rape. They also commit lots of other serious crimes. And Cleveland found that um, they did a little economic study, and they took the first 100, uh, the first 229 indictments that they got. And they took those cases and they looked at them, and they found that all of those rapists had criminal records except for one of them, and they all committed other crimes, including domestic violence, burglary, breaking and entering, murder. So the, these these folks are also career criminals. So it's just not rape they're committing. They're also committing lots of serious crimes out on the street. Mm, yeah. Um, another, um, uh, see, it's, uh, you, you mentioned Detroit. They had over 11,000 mm-hmm. uh, uh, kids. Yeah. And um, Memphis mm-hmm. had almost 12,000 untested kits. Mm-hmm. There are currently... Um, Let's see. They currently have 4,000 uh, kits in Las Vegas that haven't been processed. Mm-hmm. And um, here we go. Oh, and this is what I wanted to talk about, too. Um, mm-hmm. Last November, Cyrus Vance, the district attorney of Manhattan, pledged $35 million to try to eliminate the backlog of up to 70,000 untested rape kits nationwide. So, in other words, mm-hmm. New York got really on the ball here, and Manhattan mm-hmm. eliminated all of their rape kits, and they had enough, and, and I read that they got, got took it from uh, confiscated funds. So in other words, mm-hmm. when you do something Forfeit bad, they money. take your money mm-hmm. and blah, 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 then they mm-hmm. get to keep that money. And so what they did is they took money, for this $35 million, from confiscated funds from crimes, and mm-hmm. they're actually making grants available to other cities. They are, yeah. They can't afford yeah. to process the rape kits. I mean, mm-hmm. how cool is that? Yeah, so Manhattan has really been on the forefront of this. And since they tested their kits years ago and saw what great results they've gotten, they've just been really going out there and advocating for other cities to do the same thing. And, I mean, they're just like, look at these results. They cannot be argued with. And when they came up with this $35 million, it just really drove home, you know, how important they think it is to test these kits. And there is two 
there's a Manhattan DA money that's coming out, and then the federal government has also pledged $41 million towards grants to um, start testing, not only test rape kits, but but also to reform the system for rape kits. So the Obama administration put $41 million into the operating budget, and they have just released their grant information. And so they're going to be giving out 15 awards of $2 million each. Um, and those, for any of you uh, people who are interested in that out there, those uh, grant applications are due May 7th. So that date is coming up. Um, and they are working in conjunction with the Manhattan DA to um, to put together these two programs. One, um, the federal government is centered around putting together a multidisciplinary groups to study why the backlog happened in certain jurisdictions, um, to train people on how to properly deal with victims and victim notification, and how to go forward to, um, to make sure this doesn't happen again. Some of the federal money can be used towards testing old kits, but not all of it. A lot of their concentration is really on putting together this system in place to make sure it doesn't happen again. And then the Manhattan DA project is mainly going towards testing old backlog kits. So a jurisdiction could apply for both of these grants and get $4 million to go towards testing old kits and also putting a system in place to make sure it doesn't happen again. It's an extraordinary opportunity. Um, it's, there's a lot of money out there for it. Well, Erica, what I would suggest in your spare time <clears throat> is yeah. that you contact Louisiana <laughs> because Louisiana is charging mm-hmm. rape victims to pay for their own testing. Uh, testing. Yeah, that is atrocious. It's atrocious. You know, you look at a place like um, Detroit, a city that has been bankrupt in the past couple of years and see how hard they are working towards fixing the system. And Detroit is even put together, um, is working with a nonprofit group to, ri- to raise private funds. They've just been very ingenious in finding out ways, figuring out ways to find money to test rape kits and find justice for victims. And you juxtapose that to what's happening in Louisiana, and it's just ridiculous. You know, Detroit is taking steps forward, and Louisiana, unfortunately, seems to be taking steps backwards. It's, it's just crazy. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, uh, Louisiana is charging. Uh, now, I thought that mm-hmm. the Violence Against Women Act um, was amended in 2005 so that sexual assault victims didn't wouldn't be billed for their own forensic exams uh, mm-hmm. following their attack. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently, uh, this was reported by the Times-Picayune, apparently... Um, certain tests can be considered, be, uh, you know, it's one of those uh, picky little things that, right. you know, technically they can say, well, the cost for this procedure that's a regular part of the screening, sexual assault, mm-hmm. da, 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 mm-hmm. um, is not specific to this exam, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, that's mm-hmm. how they apparently are getting um, uh, taken care of it. These women are being build for like four or five thousand dollars for this stuff mm-hmm. yeah and you could see how that um, would not make you want to pursue your case you know it's like well, especially when it, you stop and think that you know what prisoners get free health care mm-hmm. prisoners get yeah. their tests free the state you mm-hmm. and i pay for it you know mm-hmm. i would yeah. you know what i mean i i yeah. i don't have a you know i mean like everybody else i think i pay too much in taxes and i get cranky about mm-hmm. it blah 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 but you know what i'm willing to pay for this 
<laughs> yeah, right. And when okay you see the me. results, when you see the results too, we're not just talking about finding justice for victims, although that that is first and foremost. But you know, for people who aren't victims and are out on the street, I mean, there's a benefit for everybody here. You know, there's a benefit for everybody. When you look at the statistics and see that one out of every six American women will be a victim of attempted or a completed rape, then getting those people off the street affects that. It affects the people who have been raped and it affects the people who haven't been raped. And, you know, so having rape victims having to pay to have their own rape kit te- tested is is detrimental to everybody. Well, it's not and a what happens if they can't pay it? What happens if yeah. they can't pay it? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if somebody yeah. came, there have been t- plenty of times in my life where somebody came to me and said, okay, this is going to be $4,000. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right, I, right. Uh, there yeah. would have been nothing that I could sell that would have provided that money mm-hmm. for them. Right, um, right. Mm-hmm. So I could foresee that, you know, in places like Louisiana, women victims saying, you know, I, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I just can't yep. do it. Don't do it. Right, yeah. Um, and so maybe that's part of the way Louisiana deals with their backlog. If you never take the mm-hmm. test, the kit, you don't have the backlog. You know, I don't right. know. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, well, you hope not. There are only, but according, according to this Times-Sikiyun article, there are only 15 states that pay for tests for um, STIs and medica- mm-hmm. medications prescribed in the course of a forensic exam, and only 13 states pay for a pregnancy test after rape. Mm-hmm. Um, only 10 states cover the cost of emergency room fees for sexual assault. I mean, mm-hmm. this to me is shocking. Um, yeah. And the so, and and the number of uh, states that cover the cost of treating injuries sustained during sexual assault, five. Mm. Five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, to me, this is all part of the same package. I mean, we are woefully negligent as a community in mm-hmm. caring for people who have been sexually assaulted. Absolutely. And it's, it shows you, it's just indicative of how the process for dealing with sexual assault victims and finding them justice is broken. Um, and, you know, testing rape kits and putting laws in place is just a small part of that larger picture. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I suppose, uh, you know, somebody could be creative and, and, and invent rape insurance. Um, That's you know, true. I mean, if, you're, you're, if your home or car <laughs> is attacked, you have some insurance, presumably, that will cover the cost of replacing mm-hmm. your car, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, maybe we as women just need to, uh, you know, take out rape insurance policies so that we're covered if and when that happens to us. And as you said, some studies say as many as one in four women uh, will be mm-hmm. sexually assaulted in their lifetime. So it seems mm-hmm. to me there's a terrific market there, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe um, once your Ph.D. is done. Yeah. <laughs> started on that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go into the uh, rape insurance business. Some, something yes. about that doesn't feel right to me. I don't yes, know. Right. I'm sure it would feel right to a lot of people, though. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, so we've got huge backlogs just about every place, but it mm-hmm. sounds like a lot of places are doing something about it. If I uh-huh. am assaulted, if I'm an individual mm-hmm. and I'm assaulted, and I'm in one of these states maybe that doesn't pay very much attention to rape kits or whatever, mm-hmm. what is? It, can you advise us? I mean, I know that's not exactly in your bailiwick, but I think you're knowledgeable mm-hmm. enough to be able to give reasonable advice. What What do we do? I mean, we're traumatized. We we mm-hmm. we're dealing with a major trauma in our lives, but like in so many other cases, even though we are traumatized individually, we still have to take the bull by the horns and 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 take charge of some things. 
Mm-hmm. Would you recommend that women do that? Uh, and if yeah, so, how? You know, it's hard to say, yeah. Um, you know, I'm not a trained rape counselor, um, so I have trouble answering that. But I will say, you know, that many states have rape ca- uh, crisis centers um, that definitely are very helpful, and they're also understaffed. Um, and they are great places to go to. Um, you know, I think every person should know that that they they can be an advocate for themselves. And if they feel like they can't do that, they need to do what they can to find somebody who can be. Um, and there's lots of great organizations out there. I know that here in Washington State, specifically in King County where Seattle is, we have the King County Sexual Assault Resource Center, which is fantastic. They um, provide all sorts of resources and support. They would be a great place to start. Well, I think that, and there are national health health uh, lined and Hotlines, numbers yeah. that will mm-hmm. that um, will will get you to the help that you need. Um, mm-hmm, I mean, absolutely. most of these national, yeah, most of these national numbers will uh, take your location and find places for you locally. So even mm-hmm. though they're big, huge national numbers, <clears throat> excuse me, the Rain Rape Abuse and Incest National Network, their number is eight hundred six five six. Four six seven three, um, mm-hmm. so that's six four six five six hope, um, and they can you get that first number, and then you can get other numbers from them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. um, what's your gut feeling? I mean, it, it it seems to me that if I'm not able to handle advocacy advocacy for myself in that situation, I would hope that I have friends or family members who would do that for me and, and, and mm-hmm. fill that need. And it sounds like rape victims need to somehow or other advocate, um, either personally or through a, a representative, to get the treatment that they need and the follow-up that they need and the the police work and, and lab tests that they need. Mm-hmm. That's what it sounds Absolutely. like. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, it isn't there yet, but hopefully at the end of this process, probably in a couple of years, depending on where you live, um, there will be programs in place where you can track your rape kit and see where it is, you know, if it's at the crime lab, if it's come back, um, what information has been found out. Pe- you know, victims will be given numbers and they can keep track of their kits. Um, that's the goal. Um, and that that's also part of what's being um, discussed as part of these federal grants as well as coming up with a system for that. And Detroit is very much at the, the forefront of that as well. Um, they are partnering, I believe, with UPS. Um, you know, they said if you can send a package, na- you know, internationally in five days, then why can't you track a rape kit to the crime lab and back? And so Detroit is partnering with UPS to try and come up with some sort of logistics program to to assist with that. So that that'll be some really interesting technology. Which it sh- I'm I'm no you know tech, techno buff, but it seems like that should be easy to do. So hopefully we'll we'll get that in place. Here in the, in well, the and it does sometime. sound easy to do. I mean, you order something from Amazon, you can track it. I mean, that's right. It's, get here in two days. I mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right. exactly. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I, I ordered something once. I, I live in the Seattle area. Or actually, I live mm-hmm. you know east of Seattle, and mm-hmm. the the package was sent from the UPS office in Redmond, which is like three mm-hmm. miles away from me. And then it was sent to Seattle. Then it was sent someplace else. And then it went, and three days later, and I thought. 
I could have just dropped by and picked Throwing it up. over there. <laughs> yes, I could have just run on over there, you know. Um, nevertheless, mm-hmm. the, these technologies that we have, although frustrating to the nth degree, at least for me sometimes, um, mm-hmm. uh, can be useful and, and have an everyday application. I mean, why mm-hmm. shouldn't we be able to know what the process is? And I'm sure right. that, you know, police officers and you know, the people that are available for, for telephone calls would be delighted if somebody, they could mm-hmm. refer somebody to a, a website where they could, you know, keep track Tractor. of something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, and that's, as I mentioned earlier, that's one of the problems with just finding out, you know, how many untested kits you have as well that are on the shelf is, um, you know, so many different technologies have been used over, you know, 10, 20 years um, to track evidence, and none of them have been specific for tracking rape kits. So, um, you know, you you have to find some sort of technologies constantly being honed and improved, and, and this could just be looked at as an improvement. I'm sure the, the police would welcome that as well. Yeah, I think everybody would. I mean, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me. Okay, um, I'm raped. I call the police, or I, you know, notify the police. Um mm-hmm. And they send me to the hospital. What's the pro- What's the procedure there? What happens then? Mm-hmm. I mean, I I get the impression from TV shows that everything just snaps into place, and and everybody has a, a job to do. And um, although certainly, what's what's her name, Mariska um, um, Haggerty, is certainly mm-hmm. very sensitive and loving. Um, <laughs> what's the likelihood that my local police department is going to be as sensitive? And, and yeah. wonderful. You know, it all depends on, as with everything, who who you run into, right? You know, er, some people are better at things than others, for sure. And there's training out there um, that police departments can get to learn to be um, more sensitive in situations that involve victims of sexual assault. Uh, right here in Washington State, we have an amazing advocate named Patty Powers, who works for the Yakima Prosecutors um, office. She's a prosecutor, and in her spare time, in her vacation time, she goes around the country and educates police and prosecutors on the nature of rapists and um, and how to, you know, effectively deal with victims of sexual assault. So, um, it all depends, you know, on on the department and whether they've embraced the new thinking around dealing with victims. Um, as far as hospital stuff goes, um, it, there are specially trained people um, called SANS nurses um, who are specially trained to take rape kits and to take them in a sensitive and most respectful way. Um, you know, a rape kit process can take four to six hours to take at a hospital, and it hey. is no easy task. So agreeing. Yep, so agreeing to have a rape kit taken is not just a cavalier thing. Um, It is most likely to re-traumatize the victim. You have to think that the victim's body has now become a crime scene. And so um, there are lots of photographs taken and lots of any place that the um, attacker might have touched that person has to be examined and samples have to be taken. So it is a very long, arduous process. And so SANS nurses are a part of making something that would not be easy a little bit easier. Um, But not all jurisdictions have that. You know, um, Seattle, we have them. We're a larger city. We have a a big 
public hospital here called Harborview, and that's where most rape victims are sent because we have SANS nurses there. Um, but you're not going to find that. You know, you're not going to find that at, in every city or, you know, even places that don't have cities. Um, so it can be a difficult thing. Um, you know, it also speaks to the fact that, you know, a victim who has a rape kit taken is, you know, is focused on wanting to find justice for herself. It's it's not an easy thing to do. So, um, you know, if you are a victim of, of rape, it, it's best to try and find yourself at a hospital that has SANS nurses. Or advocate as, in your community. As if you, as for, if you have the... You know, I mean, I, I can't imagine going, okay, I was just traumatized, I was just raped, I was brutally assaulted. Yeah, now exactly. let me see, I'm going to call the hospital, find out which mm-hmm. of them has the SANS nurses. Yeah, right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've ever had children, but, but when you have children, sometimes if you're really fortunate, you could, they have a thing called a doula, which mm-hmm. is somebody who's solely there to focus on the mother, not the mm-hmm. baby that's coming, right. not the, but just mm-hmm. the mother. And I am such a firm advocate that we should just have life doulas. We should have divorce doulas. We should have rape doulas. We should have, you know, I, I, we need someone to, to, to do that for us. And mm-hmm. unless you're mm-hmm. really, really fortunate and have family or, um, I mean, mm-hmm. and it doesn't even really matter how much they care about you. It's do they have the expertise and the experience and right. are they able to, to do that, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, they can be very mm-hmm. well-meaning, but that doesn't mean that they can do a good job of that. And, right. uh, you know, I mean, it's just, I, sheesh, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. to me, I yeah. think we need life doulas. So maybe we, we need, to, uh, you know, rape doulas and, you know, we mm-hmm. can help help folks out, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> in, absolutely. Because, mm-hmm. uh, wow, that's tough, you know, to think that you'd have. Although, you know, in all fairness, some people, when they are traumatized, it is very helpful for them to become um, focused on action. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, I'm sure there are those women for whom, you know, that would be, they, they are able to do that and, and mm-hmm. advocate for themselves and learn what they need to learn and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. I think a lot of us would not be able to do that necessarily. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame because you're, yeah. you're just kind of hanging out on your own. And I think in many places there is a lack of SANS nurses. So for any nurses who are out there interested, um, you know, they do have training programs uh, across the country and various places um, to go through. Uh, usually I believe it's like a, a weekend seminar um, where you can be trained to be a SANS nurse in addition to your regular nursing um, duties. So, um, you know, for folks that are interested, if you just look that up on on the web, I'm sure you'll find um, all the different trainings that are going on around the country. And maybe there's one near you where you could attend. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. We should they should have more information about that just floating around because I'm sure there are plenty mm-hmm. of people who young people are making a career choice or people who've been in the field and mm-hmm. you know. Okay, that's my yeah. my social commentary. That and the doulas that'll do it for me. Right. <laughs> somebody it sounds like um to assist you uh, when you're going through some sort of trauma if you can find somebody who can really just focus on on um being a liaison when it comes to the rape kit and the evidence and and you know mm-hmm. um, billing for that um mm-hmm. that sounds like it would be a really really grand plan mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully people could find that kind of a a resource when they're in this situation yep. uh, yeah um 
for women who uh, are looking for some sort of, of um, way to follow up on rape kits, maybe they're in an area where um, a rape kit hasn't been processed, um, they want to advocate, what, do they call their prosecutor's office? What, what would they do? Usually you have to call the investigator at the police department. So um, most cases get assigned, again, it depends on your police department, will get in, in assigned to an investigator, and that investigator would be the one who would know where your kit is. Um, at least that's how it's handled in Seattle. So um, usually the police are the ones that you have to contact. Uh, it depends, you know, on how far along in the process it is. If if it has entered the prosecution phase, then... Um, you know, you'd have a prosecutor and a victim's advocate and people like that who would be in connection with you about the case. But before that, um, when things are still being investigated, it would be the police department. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Do they have? Do most police uh, departments have some sort of liaison where, um, if I want to just call and say, okay, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what's happening here? What is mm-hmm. is there somebody, some office or something that they can go to when it comes to the rape kit issue? Or do they have you know, to go I, straight to the police officer, or yeah, do you know? Lots of departments, big departments, um, like Seattle, you know, we have a an SVU unit, um, and uh, there's, you know, people at all levels within that SVU unit. And so your case would be in, in that unit, and those would be the people you would call who would know, um, you know, you'd, like I said, you'd be assigned a detective or investigator, and that would, would be your contact person. Um, smaller jurisdictions, you know, sometimes they're not broken out like that. You know, they, it just depends on how big your your town is or your city is. Um, but usually, you know, you should have contact with with a police officer, and and um, that person would probably be your point of contact. Okay. And right. you know, as much as you could, I encourage you to be insistent. You know, um, about knowing where your kid is and and why it's being sent to the lab and when it's being sent to the lab. And, I mean, you it, it's about you and your crime, and you have the right to find out where that kid is. So don't worry about being a pain in the neck. You know, <laughs> just call yeah. and and find out about it. Find out where it is. And if, if you can't, if it's too much, then find a victim advocate to do it for you. Mm. It's important. Yeah. It is, and and mm-hmm. fortunately, again, I'm going to give out this number again uh, for Rain to try and get you to uh, an organization that can help uh, advocate mm-hmm. for you in your area. Eight hundred six five six Hope six five six four six seven three. So if you're in that situation, if you're trying to figure out what's happening with your rape, uh, with your rape kit, da 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 da, and you haven't yet connected with a rape support organization, call that number and they can direct you, help you find uh, an organization in that you're in your area. How long mm-hmm. have we been doing rape kits? Oh gosh, that's a good question. Um, as long as I can remember, <laughs> yeah. um, you know. I do. I don't have an exact t- date for you or, or year, but uh, rape kits are. You know, when they were brought around, when DNA evidence became something that we could depend on and test for, um, and you know, there's been various stages and and honing in of DNA evidence um, and test results. But um, 
when they first came onto the scene, it was very exciting because this is really a way to be able to prove that somebody was there and had had sexual contact with someone. Um, and then and now, they are still touted as the best avenue for catching your attacker. Um, so they're still super important. Um, and, you know, we do, you'd mentioned CSI earlier, and, and all DNA evidence sort of falls under what the crime labs will call the CSI effect, where, you know, we expect DNA to be able to work a lot of magic, and it does in a lot of circumstances. Um, and rape kits are super important. That's what they do. They deliver the results, you know, and we're seeing that across the country. Um, okay. Rape kits, I think it's important to know that men get raped too. Not at the mm-hmm. same uh, rate as women do, but what men get raped too, especially younger men and children. Mm-hmm. And so when we're talking yeah. rape kits, we're not just talking um, a woman's issue. Um, right. We're talking a, a people issue. Um, mm-hmm. Although I have mm-hmm. to tell you, my I've, I've said this before. My daughter always gets mad at me when I says, say women's issues. She goes, all issues are people issues. There are no such things as women's <laughs> issues. And I just look at her and I think, honey, I did something right raising you. However, <laughs> I admire your idealism so yeah. much. <laughs> right, yep. But sometimes we have to focus so, on women's issues so they can get the attention they deserve. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And I think that it's important for all of us to understand that rape kits are not just a woman's issue. Um, People Mm -hmm. get raped. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. uh, Rape Mm -hmm. kits are definitely a people issue. And so Mm -hmm. if, you know, um, um, a a child is raped and you're in a state where they charge you for the rape kit, you as the parents are going to pay for that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's... It's a it's a people issue that we all need to be uh, concerned about. Um, Aware of, and and it's also important. I think it's also important. Sorry to interrupt. I think it's also important to point out that 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 rape is a crime that's committed to all people across all you know socioeconomic backgrounds, and you know with one in six women um, and. Um, men as well uh, that get raped, it's most likely that everybody knows somebody. They may not have told you, but you most likely know somebody who has been raped. So, you know, rapists are have propensity for violence, and they are recidivists. And they will rape on average 11 times in their lifetime. That's a lot of people, you know. Yeah. And you could be waiting at a bus stop. You could be getting going to your car in a parking lot. It it doesn't matter, you know, what you look like or who you are or where you came from. So it is very much uh, an issue that affects everybody. It's very important. Mm-hmm. Well, and I also think it's really crucial for us to understand that, okay, if we get a DNA test, if the rape kits are designed to find the rapist. But as mm-hmm. you pointed out, rapists mm-hmm. usually aren't just rapists. You know, mm-hmm. bad people are bad in many areas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in many ways, sorry yeah. for that huge mm-hmm. generalization, but it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people who break laws usually break laws in in many areas. People mm-hmm. who assault usually assault in in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, to think of these rape kits sitting on shelves as being only a rape issue mm-hmm. um, is so short-sighted. It's mm-hmm. just so Absolutely. short-sighted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. 
And it seems from our conversation and from the reading that I've done that the the idea that, that rape kits are sitting on shelves um, seems to be a financial issue. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's partially a financial issue. It, it, it's part, partly a financial issue, and then it's also a, an, a, an issue of how victims of sexual assault are viewed. So those are two things that have to be combated. One is the attitude towards victims of sexual assault needs to be changed. People need to be educated. And then two, it costs money to test kits, and it really costs money to test 6,000 kits. So um, that, you know, the money issue is just a very budgetary, cut-and-dry kind of thing. Um, you know, and, and changing people's attitudes is a much harder thing, a uh, much harder process. Um, but the great news, and I keep coming back to this, the great news is places like Detroit and Cleveland are way ahead of the rest of the country, and, and they've created this blueprint on on how to change the attitudes of, of police and and prosecutors and various other people um, about kits and, and rape victims. And so, although money is a big part, you know, once you've changed people's attitude, you still have to come up with the money to, um, to you know, test all those kits. So, you know, that was one of our biggest battles here in Washington State just recently with a bill that we passed is um, everybody believed in the bill, and they said, where are you going to get the money? <laughs> so, yeah. Well, that's the first question. And, and quite frankly, mm-hmm. that's the first question that the, the government should ask is where, right. how are we going to pay for it? I mean, that's mm-hmm. what we do mm-hmm. with our home budget, right? Mm-hmm. You know, okay, we really need a new, you know, the water heater died. We need to, how yep. are we going to pay for it? Right. Uh, it's a right. legitimate question. However. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> yes. And, and that's in, in part one of the reasons we have a backlog is because jurisdictions don't have money to send every single kit. You know, law, uh, many of the, the law enforcement people I talked to, uh, you know, in the past couple of years, they've all said, if I could have afforded to send every single kit to the lab, I would have done it. But I, I can't. You know, they have priorities, too, and they have budgets. So, you know, that's also a part of, of being able to properly handle rape kits is, you know, our jurisdictions have to be able to pay for it. But luckily we're looking at that. You know, like I said, there's there's the federal money and there's the Manhattan DA money out there. Washington State, hopefully we'll see here in the next couple of weeks, um, will fund this bill, we hope. We're working hard towards that. Um, and, um, you know, get the ball rolling. So it's a good start. Well, and, you know, Okay. Did did you hear that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry yeah. about that. Just yeah. as we um, make decisions personally for mm-hmm. what things we need, you know, we prioritize, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. governmental budgets usually have quite a bit of stuff in them. I mean, pages and pages and pages and pages. And it seems to me that if we prioritize our things, solving crimes and get, getting criminals off the streets and prosecuting rapists, should be right mm-hmm. up there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it should be right up there. And and I mean, I would rather avoid a few potholes and know that some rapist has been put away. Quite frankly. Yeah, um, and, and I have I to can't... say, like, I'm uh, sorry again to interrupt you. Sorry, but I, no, I just no, got no. so excited because <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, when Mary Weston from the Cuyahoga County from Cleveland came to testify here um, in support of our rape kit bills. Um, and I'd mentioned earlier that they did an economic crime study of those first 229 indictments. 
and they tried to put a dollar figure on the harm that was done to victims in the community by those 229 folks, and it came to $122 million. And, you know, it would have cost a lot less to test all those kits than $122 million. So in the long run, you know, the the long run, which is really hard to see um, sometimes, it's less expensive. (laughs) Erica, we are Americans. We do not look at the long term, okay? (laughs) We don't have that much history here. Become more culturally sensitive, please. (laughs) We are just not good at looking long run. We don't do the long game, do we? (laughs) No, we don't. No, we don't. We have have the crazy pendulum. We go all the way from that upswing straight through the level bottom and all the way up to the other, you know. Um, just we we we're almost out of time and it's been such a a great conversation because it really makes me feel positive and hopeful if Mm -hmm. there is um someone out there who wants to become involved Mm -hmm. in helping Mm -hmm. the situation in their state or in their county or in their district Mm -hmm. what would you suggest they do well people can always contact me through the rapekitwa.org site, um, and I'd be happy to share with them how things worked here in Washington State and what was productive and what wasn't. But um, I would also suggest that they go out to uh, the um, endthebacklog.org site, and that's the site that's run by the Joyful Heart Foundation. Um, and they they are – it is the – the spot to find rape kit information and backlog and what's happening across the nation. Um, All the newspaper articles are there. They have a a chart of the states, and they can tell you, you can click on your state, and they can tell you what's happening in your state or what's not happening in your state. (laughs) And you can can see at what point in the process your state is in. and you can always jump in at any point. If you are inspired to become a part of the process, then um, I can talk to you about ways to do that, or you can um, talk to the people at End the Backlog. Send them an email. That's what I did in the beginning, just to double-check to see if anything was happening in Washington State, and they answered me right away. They're really great, and they're very, very helpful. So I would encourage people to go not, to... And so mm-hmm. what? <laughs> right. Seriously, if they're not... So what? And, um, and sometimes you know, I should write that down. That's my new motto. If they're not, so what? Um, yeah. You know, sometimes you know we don't always encounter nice, wonderful, cooperative, thankful That's people right. when we want to get something done. Mm-hmm. And so, if you feel strongly that this is something you want to do, it's great if it. you encounter people who are happy to have you on board. But even if you don't mm-hmm. encounter those people, mm-hmm. so what? Keep do it doing anyway. What you have to do. Yep. Yep. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Erica, one of the things that I try to do with our show is to find an appropriate quote um, mm-hmm. to end our shows. And mm-hmm. um, this this one, oh, gosh, the number of quotes about rape and rape kits and that, you mm. know, I mean, just yeah. never ending. But mm-hmm. um, this one seemed appropriate to me because I like to focus on positive stuff. And mm-hmm. Alice Siebold, I hope I've said her mm-hmm. correctly, she's a an author, written, mm-hmm. best-selling author, da-da-da. Yeah. And um, this quote is from her, and I think that it is just so spot on. Mm-hmm. You save yourself or you remain unsaved. Mm-hmm. Very true. So we got to get out there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if, if you think you can't advocate, then you can at least find somebody who can advocate. If you think you can't help that situation, you know, then at least go find other people who can and see what you can do to help them. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being Absolutely. with us, Erica. I've learned a lot. And, My uh, pleasure. And I'm really stoked. Thanks for having me on. I'm really stoked. Um, mm-hmm. Join us next week. Next week we're actually going to have a rerun because I'm going to be in Ireland. Aha! And so uh, we'll we'll play next week a nice one previous popular shows. Thank you so much for joining us. Three women, three ways.